It's time for episode 494 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with at least one host who's still stuffed from Pi Day. I am one of those hosts. Which one is it? Micah Sargent. And I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my good buddy. In fact, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons and Dragons online. In fact, we did that last night. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? Uh, Like the old saying says, Micah, beware the pies of March. (laughs) So... Glad that we made it and that nobody is getting stabbed in the Senate today. At two cherry pie. <laughs> um, let's move along to talk about our awesome guests who are joining us here for this episode of Clockwise. To my left, editor-in-chief of No Jitter and the program co-chair of Enterprise Connect, the ever insightful Lisa Schmeiser. Hello, Lisa. Hello, I'm so excited to be here um, and excited to report that I had s'mores pie last night for Ooh. pie day. It was amazing. Yum. Good call. Good call. Yeah. I didn't have any pie. It was on me. Uh, to my left this <laughs> so week, <sad. laughs> it's the host of the Nasilla cast and all the other fine Podfeet podcasts, our fantastic friend, Allison Sheridan. Welcome back, Allison. Well, coming in from wet and rainy Southern California. <laughs> That's a sentence you Isn't don't hear odd? very often. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. now that I think about it, I'm coming in from wet and rainy Northern California as we kick <laughs> off this show. You know how it works. We've got 30 minutes and four topics, so I will get things rolling. Um, I know this question comes up from time to time, but it always provides interesting answers, which is why I'm asking it again. How do you, if you do, display or enjoy the photographs that you take with your smartphone, your DSLR, basically any digital capture device? How do you enjoy them and uh, how do you display them? Lisa, we'll start with you. My my photos mostly live in the cloud. <laughs> and I, I have a curated collection on my phone and every once in a while I'll print one out through Shutterfly, but I don't do much else with them. I'm I'm a sort of a digital photo underachiever. I actually really love uh photos ability to the thing it has a featured photos of the day where every day it pops up i don't know somewhere between two and eight photos that it just sort of picks up either because they're you know this happened on this day at one point or some other connection or it's sometimes just random and my wife and i often scroll through our photos and exchange like with them with each other and like oh remember this or remember that so i kind of like that that photos surfaces that because often i would not go back and look at old pictures um, and then in my office, I have both a uh, Google Nest Hub uh, that does like a, it acts as sort of a digital photo frame. And I think it's permanently because I'm sort of limited to what photos are on there because it doesn't hook directly into like Apple photos. I use that to cycle through a f- uh, bunch of my wedding photos. Uh, and then I've been testing for a while. I keep meaning to work on my review of it, but it's kind of got installed. Um, uh, I have an Aura, A-U-R-A photo, digital photo frame. Uh, which is currently showing pictures from the shared album I have of my kid. So that's just sort of rotating through photos over in my office there. So I'm, I don't really print out photos very often, um, but I feel like now that I have a kid, I probably will end up doing that more is my guess. <laughs> Allison, what about you? Just like you, I just bought an Aura frame for my mother-in-law for Christmas, 
And I totally want one because I had it in my house for like a month getting it ready and making sure it was preloaded with some fun photos. And now my kids are adding photos to it for grandma and I get to see what what they're adding. And I, I really want one. It is a really, really slick device. From a physical standpoint, I also create a photo calendar that I make every year of the family. And I do a five by five grid of photos. At first it was two or three, and then it became like five. And pretty soon it's like, nope, we have too many people in the family. We want 25 photos on every month. And it is pure joy to to turn over the new month. And everybody talks about what's fun in the new month. Um, I also just published a screencast online tutorial about how to use Mimeo photos and Motif plugins to create things like calendars and photo books. And I had never used Motif before I had to teach it. And it's fantastic. I really liked it for photo books. So I'm kind of itching to do one of those for my recent Antarctica trip covered with penguins. Ooh, penguins. There's been a vast improvement in these digital photo frame um, in terms of the technology. The the screen resolution is much higher. The brightness is great. And then some of the features included. I also have a subscription. Google Photos has uh, you know a subscription where you pay, I think it's like $5.99 a month or something like that. And they send you 20 four by six photos. And so I get in the mail every month a new thing of photos. And you can go in and choose which ones get printed, or you can just let them choose for you based on what the AI thinks are the the best photos that you took that month. Outside of that, just passing around photos um, between family. I got uh, my partner's family is like huge into shared iCloud photo libraries. Now they love being able to share or rather not libraries, but albums. Uh, They love being able to share those albums and comment on the posts and all that kind of thing. So anytime we get together there, one of them is creating the shared album for that get together and, um, you know, adding everybody to it. Uh, Thank you all for your answers on that. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Lisa. So today is digital cleanup day. It's you're supposed to set aside some time and go through and basically declutter your digital life. The organizers of the event say the internet and our digital lives are generating more um, of the bad carbon. I want to say carbon dioxide. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) they're generating more of the bad carbon. And it takes an increasing amount of energy to keep our tech ecosystem going. So by decluttering and um, managing our assets, we can reduce some of that energy consumption and, you know, keep our, our tech stuff organized. What I want to know is which area of your digital life needs to be more organized? And which area of your digital life are you are you like, I'm on lock, I got this? My best places where I have stuff organized are stuff where organization is done for me. Uh, So for example, my music folder or my photos, like because I keep them all in like, you know, the Apple Music app or Photos app, etc. And it does all that for me, I don't have to think about it. And therefore, it's pretty well organized. But the stuff where I'm kind of left to my own devices is definitely much worse. So I even look at like my downloads folder on this Mac would be the the thing that I sort of look at. It's like, oh, I know I should go and organize the 93 items in my downloads folder. Why are they, why are they there? I don't know. They date, some of them date back years <laughs> because I'm just that bad at realizing, oh no, I should, uh, you know, finally move this uh, tool that I downloaded in. Let's check here. April 2012 out of my downloads <laughs> folder. Oh my That's God. more than 10 years. What's wrong with me? But it's just so tiring. And so that's the moment where I'm sitting there like, oh, God, I then I have to figure out, figure, think about where to file things and how to put them away or to, should I just delete this thing? And I get so like tired and like stressed out thinking about it that I just don't do it. 
<laughs> so I guess that's probably one thing I should be looking at. And I got, I've got another one, but we'll talk about that later in the show. How about that? Allison, please tell me you're better organized than I am. Well, I can solve your problem. Most of my files are kind of a mess, just big piles in, in top level folders. So it's not super organized, but like you, where something does it for me, I'm fine. So Hazel for the win. Mm-hmm. My downloads folder yeah. is super clean. And the second thing I created was something called delete me. It's a folder called delete me. And I'm telling future me, I don't need this. So I can put a file, yeah. I can export a file from photos uh, of a adorable picture of my grandchild and I already know that I've got a copy of that. I don't have to go, ooh, I can't delete that because what if I don't have a copy? And then you run Hazel against that that just keeps it cleaned up. That is uh, my b- biggest tip I could possibly give you. I'm super organized in my photos. I do albums. I do uh, folders by year, month, date. I do. Um, uh, I even name a lot of my photos. So I'm super good at that. And I'm even going to take credit. I'm going to sound like a teacher's pet here. I'm going to take credit for not having to uninstall apps because about once a year I do a nuke and pave and I start from scratch. I install every single app from scratch. That said, I just noticed today I have at least a dozen apps that I don't use installed. And it's been less than a year or so. Maybe I, I'll go throw a few of those away for Lisa. Um, So in terms of what needs to be organized, it would definitely be my network attached storage. That is a place where when I am done with things, I move them to the network attached storage and everything is in folders that are dated stuff that I download or stuff that I, you know, may have worked on projects or whatever. Uh, When I'm done with those projects, then they go to the network attached storage. So honestly, that could use some organization, but in letting that be the dump space, then that means that the rest of it gets to be pretty organized. Um, I am very organized about what remains on my desktop, what remains in my documents folder, um, and then downloads. I wouldn't say I'm super organized, but I am good at making stuff go away from there when I'm done with it. So it's not as if I'm taking everything and organizing it, but the downloads folder itself uh, does not look like dance because those things go <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> Lisa, why don't you round us out here? One of my goals is to actually consolidate all of my digital photos in one place because I have a Flickr stream that I don't think I've touched since 2009. The other thing that's not terribly well organized, but I've learned to live with it is Evernote. Uh, which is where I keep a lot of URLs and articles in Evernote along with uh, copies of things I've written or downloads that I might need later. And it's just this enormous hoard. <laughs> At this point, I'm relying on a search engine. The stuff I am really good about, though, uh, my desktop is pristine. Um, my downloads folder is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, 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 Dan. Um, well, while everyone scrambles to organize the parts and clean up the parts that aren't clean, I will take a quick break to tell you about FitBod who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. Getting fitter is one of those things that often has knock-on effects in other areas of your life that you might not expect. It can be hard to know where to start, though, and that is why uh, FitBod is there to be an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that's just for you. 
See, FitBod's algorithms learn about you, your goals, and your training ability, and then create a custom dynamic program that's based on your experience specifically and any equipment you have. It's all in an app that makes it incredibly easy to learn how to perform each exercise. Everyone's fitness path is different, and that's why FitBod uses data to make sure that they customize things exactly to suit you. The powerful technology understands your strength training ability, it studies your past workouts, it adapts to your available gym equipment, and your training plan will maximize fitness gains by intelligently varying intensity and volume between sessions. And overworking some muscles while underworking others. You know, if you don't have a plan in place, that can negatively impact results. So FitBod tracks muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine. The app is super simple to use. It's got more than 1,400 HD video tutorials. It's shot from multiple angles, and that way you can learn those exercises properly. It also integrates with your Apple Watch, your Wear OS smartwatch, and then apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. A personalized training of this quality can be super expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $80 a year, $79.99 a year. You can get 25% off your membership, though, by signing up at fitbod.me slash clockwise. So please go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash clockwise, and you'll get 25% off your membership. Once again, fitbod.me slash clockwise for 25% off. Thanks so much to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, we are back from the break, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. All right, I think we can all identify with this. Uh, what is a piece of software that you don't really like, you have a lot of problems with, but you have to use it for, you know, reasons? Allison, let's start with you. Well, I'm really glad I got to go first because the obvious answer to me is the Twitter app. I uh, <laughs> am just, it's just disgusting. I, I hardly ever use it and I don't have to use Twitter. I can choose not to, but I've quit so many things lately. I, I'm, I'm tired of doing that. I don't go in very often, but uh, I opened it up the other day and I looked at my mentions and I, I clicked on the mentions thing. And what it showed me was an article about a young boy who'd been murdered. Oh, golly. Why was, no, nobody mentioned me in that. It was in my mentions though. I immediately after that got a, how do you like Twitter option? And so I rated it, but it has five stars, by the way, the Twitter app in, in the uh, app store. But anyway, I am really happy over on Mastodon with Ivory and Ice Cube so far and, and uh, test driving Mona app. It's, it's just such a delightful place. Mastodon is such a delightful place that I very rarely go into Twitter. Uh, and a big part of it is because of the apps. And I think that's one of the reasons the engagement seems to be way down on Twitter. I'm getting nine times as much engagement on, I, I tested it on a specific post, nine times as much engagement on Mastodon and I have nine times as many followers on Twitter. My software would be Google Meet. I do not <laughs> like Google Meet, but because we have at work like a Google Workspaces based system, our weekly meetings are held in Google Meet. Our meetings with clients are held in Google Meet. When they show you your camera, it's shown in mirrored view. For the people who are looking at you, through Google Meet, it's showing forwards and it's showing the right way. I, I, it just makes no sense. It's goofy and it's not what I want from a video conferencing software. Lisa, what about you? The one that springs immediately to mind is Microsoft Excel. 
I can get more done in terms of just just super quick calculations or super quick pivot tables and and running things in Google Sheets. I feel like Excel has the same problem a lot of Adobe apps, um, which is a whole separate podcast have, which is there's a thousand features that are fantastic if you know where they are and if you know how to use them. And if you don't, all they do is they get between you and what you want to do. That's my big complaint about Excel is it's too much of too much. And it would be nice if you could just kind of have a toggle where you're like, I just want basic idiot mode or all right, I just want the mode where I can do my taxes and and run some inventory projections. And then finally, there, I want God mode, like just, mm-hmm. just give, <laughs> give me something like that. Don't give me an application that feels a little bit like an airplane cockpit at this point. As tempted as I am to pick Zoom, I think that I complain about on a regular basis. Uh, I am going to pick Microsoft Word, an uh, app that reason. I have to use because it is sort of an industry standard, but I get frustrated every time I use it for a variety of different reasons. Most recently, I'm doing copy edits and dealing with track changes, which I understand is, again, the de facto way that much of this stuff gets done. But it's just so confusing. There's literally multiple like interfaces for it in Word. Like, oh, you can have stuff in the sidebar. You can have little panels that pop up. You can have little comments that float over here. It's like, why are these not all in the same place? Um, and moreover, just like things that I feel like should be table stakes. This app, it turns 40 years old this fall. And I opened, I had to, you know, restart my computer today and I opened the manuscript I was working on, which is a 270 page book manuscript. And it's like, surely you would like to go to the first page. No, I'm halfway <laughs> through editing this thing. Just put me where I left off. Why is this a problem? Uh, you, this is a 40 year old app. This is so basic. So, uh, and then on top of that, I think it does suffer, like Lisa was saying, from a little bit of the same problem as Excel, where it's like, there are so many toolbars and like icons and all that. And it's like, I get that you have a ton of bells and whistles and that's great, but I don't need all of those. <laughs> Maybe you could just, you know, take it down a notch where you don't have to try so hard. Okay. We're all using you anyways. <laughs> Thank you all for that. I appreciate it. Thank you for the, uh, where you can spend a little time in our <laughs> sadness together. <laughs> Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Allison. Well, my question is uh, actually came from a friend of mine, a relatively new Mac user asked me a question I thought I'd run by this committee. She asked, do you have a strategy for how long is optimal to hold on to a MacBook? I know it can last a long time, but there has to be a sweet spot. So I'm sure all of us upgrade far more than is logical. So I'm not sure that's the way we should answer. So instead, what strategy do you advise to more normal people? And if you have a different strategy for iPads, what would that be? Rene Ritchie had a really good strategy for when it comes time to upgrade. And he's, his was basically keep using what you have until you get to a place where you're feeling like you need something new and then wait until you have the money to get the best possible thing. That is one thing about uh, MacBooks that I have found to be true is that they can last a very, very, very long time. As far as iPads, I don't know. Um, use them until they break, I think, is my advice. Um, they are also kind of long term devices. And yes, I think I and many others uh, exist outside of that sort of normal sphere of uh, upgrading when it's time. And instead, so we're doing it all the time. But yeah, use it until it breaks. Uh, that's what I see a lot of people do. And they seem to be happy with that. Lisa, do you have some advice? I think with something like a personal computer, 
it's going to come down to what you're using it for. I mean, I've got in, in my daughter's case, she's a tween. She uses it basically for streaming Spotify, um, hitting Google Classroom, reading books online. But if I were talking to a friend of mine who's a practicing architect and is doing a lot of CAD rendering, obviously the demands of the software, connectivity, battery life, and and speed, that's going to that's gonna be a completely different answer. So I'm just going to echo and hopefully condense a little bit what Micah said, which is know what you're using the machine for. Wait until it's not doing what you need it to do as effectively as you think it can do it. See if you've got the cash to upgrade to the best possible uh, offering there, and then just get your money's worth out of it. I mean, computers aren't necessarily a commodity. They're still pretty expensive. So try and just wring every last penny of value out of that thing before you upgrade. I'm going to say, uh, just buy a new one when you want one. Come on. Don't, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> life's short, people. Uh, no, I I think I, I concur largely with what uh, Lisa and Micah have said, which is when you start to get frustrated, I think that's the thing. When the when the computer is taking more time to do the things that you need to do, and it's not just because with these things, all you know, things take time sometimes, but like when it's actively holding you back and you're like, oh man, I just have to wait for this thing to catch up with me. Um, then it's time to start thinking about it because, you know, again, life is short. Why waste your time waiting for a computer to do work if there is a new device that will get it done that much faster so that you can spend the time doing the things that you're actually excited about doing? Um, so... I mean, I I don't know if there's a good rule of thumb, as as you know, many of you have said. Like, it depends on what you're using it for. I tend to think every three or four years is a nice time to replace it if you can. But certainly, laptops last a lot longer than that, and I've used laptops a lot longer than that. Um, I would say this is like we're in a weird place right now with a Mac laptop too, where if you are using something pre Apple Silicon the changes and advantages you get from upgrading to Apple Silicon are so huge that unless you have software that really won't work with it, and that's a very small amount of stuff, um, it is just a huge leap forward. And obviously that'll shrink a bit as Apple Silicon sort of slows down its pace. Um, But right now that is still a big advantage. On the iPad side, yeah, just, I don't know, run them into the ground. I I agree. I think iPads, the stuff is, software and experience stuff isn't moving fast enough that iPads are really getting outpaced very fast. So I think you can keep using those for a long time uh, and that they can continue serving secondary purposes like media streamers and stuff for even longer after that. So Allison, why don't you wrap this up for us? Dan, I actually take notes on what I'm going to say so that I don't forget something I wanted to make sure I said. And I actually wrote iPads, run it into the ground. (laughs) Like word for word, what you just said. Um, I'll add a a caveat to that. And also on the, on the max on when to upgrade is um, everything has the caveat of it has to still be able to run a, a supported OS. It doesn't have to be able to run the latest one, but whatever you're running has to be able to have security updates. I won't let my friends run something that doesn't. Um, But vamping off of Lisa, the sweet spot might be when you can justify flowing it down. See, so you can get the new hotness. You know, your daughter needed the MacBook Air, <laughs> so you had to get a new one. I think that's a good a good strategy. <laughs> that would have been I, like I, the greatest pandemic flex ever. Oh, well, <laughs> gosh, we just all need MacBooks. We're stuck at home. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I actually would put a number on the max. I would say five years is the sweet spot. I think three years, you're like me burn, you know, lighting dollar bills on fire if you do it every three years, which is about what I do. But I think five years, more than five years, you're starting to pay a penalty for 
some technology has gotten older and you could be doing a lot better. You could be having a lot more fun with it, whether it's the price of the SSDs has gone down so you could have more space because you're not wasting time doing that or something like the Apple Silicon jump has happened. So I sort of feel like five years, if I had to I had to pick a number, and iPads, of course, is in, until it explodes that there's just keep playing them, playing with them because they don't change that much. All right. Uh, that means it is time uh, for the bonus topic. But before we get there, let us take a quick break so I can tell you about how to fix the Internet. Well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you about how to fix the Internet. I'm going to tell you about a podcast called How to Fix the Internet. It's an original podcast from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Sometimes it can feel like we are lurching towards a digital future that no one wants. I think, uh, especially lately, a lot of us have uh, certainly felt that. Uh, But it doesn't have to be that way. There are choices we can make to create an internet that makes a better future for all of us. And technology or technologists and policymakers have real solutions to the problems facing our online world today. So we can build an internet that has all of the goods, uh, all of the good things that we want from tech with none of the creepy stuff. Your hosts of the podcast are Cindy Cohn and Jason Kelly. Cindy is the executive director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, has been in the trenches, in the courtrooms and boardrooms of tech activism for decades. And Jason joins the show this season as a digital strategist and activist with EFF, where he focuses his work on privacy, free speech and surveillance. In each episode... Cindy and Jason invite someone with a vision on how to fix the internet, someone with real solutions on how to move the needle towards a better online world, and the show will make you feel better about the digital future we have ahead of us, so you can be more knowledgeable about what needs fixing and be more engaged on how to demand change. Uh, Episodes are available everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. And of course, you can go to EFF.org slash podcast. Very easy to find EFF.org slash podcast. Uh, They have it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. So no matter where you get your podcasts, you can check it out. Um, This is a podcast that has lots of uh, great conversations about, you know, you, you you may think of some of the companies um, that are out there, but maybe you're not thinking about sort of what's behind the companies. And there was a recent episode called Don't Be Afraid to Poke the Tigers. And uh, researcher and hacker Andrew Wong was uh, talking about how in uh, Shenzhen, China, there's this sort of marketplace where anyone can go and make adjustments to the devices that they have or buy little parts and pieces to augment the devices that they have. But here in the U.S., things don't really work that way. And so kind of as an advocate for uh, the right to repair, the right for anyone to innovate, um, it's a really good conversation with Andrew about that experience and sort of trying to encourage more of that behavior in the United States. Uh, You can search for How to Fix the Internet in your podcast player, and of course, there will be a link in the show notes. And our thanks to How to Fix the Internet for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, it is time for the bonus topic. Uh, It's a simple question. What's something you're looking forward to? Lisa, we'll start with you. Well, I think I'm looking forward to Enterprise Connect, which is from Monday, March 27th to Thursday, March 30th. This is the um, in-person 
event that we have down in Orlando, Florida. I am the program co-chair for it. And we are looking at communication and collaboration. And I'm excited to talk to uh, best of breed industry professionals about how chat GPT is going to impact our exciting new world of hybrid work. I just discovered a couple weeks ago that um, right before the pandemic, or right around the, when the pandemic uh, kicked off in 2020, I had tickets to go see my favorite band, Guster, playing with our local symphony orchestra, Aww. and it got canceled. And that was the second concert, the first one I had missed. I didn't even know it had happened until after it happened many years before. And I just heard that they're doing a third one, and <laughs> I think it's probably going to be the week of WWDC. But I'm going to come home somehow for it. That's my. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, I'm excited about, I'm looking forward to a new grandchild arriving in July. Congratulations. Oh, wonderful. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Is there a name or do you have any other details? No, so no name, no no gender. It's their third child, my son's third child, and they've decided <gasps> for this one not to know. Oh, they, right. don't know. they don't know what the tiebreaker is or not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> tiebreaker. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, congratulations. That's very exciting. Um, I am looking forward to, uh, I'll say two things quickly. Uh, one is going to see a couple of um, incredible drag queens uh, when they come to San Francisco in July and August. One during Pride and then another, obviously, after Pride. And then also with WWDC right around the corner, I know many of my internet friends will be here uh, or close by. So I'm looking forward to seeing some folks that I have not seen in quite a while. All right, folks, if you out there that are listening would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year. And when you do that, of course, helps support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss how we manage our inboxes. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Lisa Schmeiser. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And Allison Sheridan, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Love to start my day this way. Micah, you'll be back next week. I'll be gone next week. So enjoy your Danless time with next week's episode. But until then, we remind everybody out there listening, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.